Welcome to the Mamas in Midlife podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Lewis. And today we're talking about there's no such thing as a dragon, acknowledging emotions. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the podcast. Before we get into the topic today, I wanted to do a listener shout out. This is from XX Screamo. And this listener wrote, Lisa has a wonderful and calming presence about her. She is one of the most empathetic women I personally know, and she is full of informative insights on maintaining healthy mindset despite what struggles you are currently facing. Her approach is practical and easy to learn. Thank you so much, Extremo, for that review. And if you're enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would go to wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review for this podcast. It helps it to get out to more listeners. So that would be awesome if you'd be willing to do that. Okay, let's get into the topic of the podcast. So when you heard the topic of there's no such thing as a dragon, you may have been like, what is she talking about? I... There may, there may be some of you that recognize this as the title to a children's book. I actually, I adore children's books and I loved reading them to my children when they were young. Actually, I may have talked to my older son or my, my son that's at home who's 16 in recently into letting me read to him one of my favorite children's books after buying it for my first grandbaby who was born in April. I'm also a huge fan of reading to my new grandbaby, and I take advantage of that opportunity since he currently lives with his parents at my house. So when I recently had some coworkers tell me about using a particular this particular children's book in therapy called "There's No Such Thing as a Dragon," though they use it with their clients, I was immediately interested. This book has some great underlying messages that we can apply. And so that's why I wanted to use it in the podcast today. I'm going to go ahead and read it to you. And as I'm reading it, go ahead and listen and see if there's any messages, underlying messages that you get from it. Also, if you're interested in seeing the illustrations of this book, it's available on YouTube. You can go on there and there's people that have recorded it and they show the pictures. So I'm going to go ahead and read you. There's No Such Thing as a Dragon by Jack Kent. Billy Bixby was rather rather surprised when he woke up one morning and found a dragon in his room. It was a small dragon about the size of a kitten. The dragon wagged its tail happily when Billy patted its head. Billy went downstairs to tell his mother. There's no such thing as a dragon, said Billy's mother, and she said it like she meant it. Billy went back to his room and began to dress. The dragon came close to Billy and wagged its tail, but Billy didn't pat it. If there's no such thing as something, it's silly to pat it on the head. Billy washed his face and hands and went down to breakfast. The dragon went along. It was bigger now, almost the size of a dog. Billy sat down on the table, or at the table. The dragon sat down on the table. This sort of thing was not usually permitted, but there wasn't much Billy could do or Billy's mother could do about it. She had already said there was no such thing as a dragon, and if there's no such thing, you can't tell it to get down off of the table. 
Mother made some pancakes for Billy, but the dragon ate them all. Mother made some more, but the dragon ate those too. Mother kept making pancakes until she ran out of batter. Billy only got one of them, but he said that was all he wanted anyway. Billy went upstairs to brush his teeth. Mother started cleaning the table. The dragon, who was quite as big as Mother by this time, made himself comfortable on the hall rug and went to sleep. By the time Billy came back downstairs, the dragon had grown so much he filled the hall. Billy had to go around by the way of the living room to get to where his mother was. I didn't know dragons grew so fast, said Billy. There's no such thing as a dragon, said Mother firmly. Cleaning the downstairs took Mother all morning with the dragon in the way and having to climb in and out of the windows to get from room to room. By noon, the dragon filled the house. Its head hung out the front door, its tongue hung, or its tail hung out the back door, and there wasn't a room in the house that didn't have some part of the dragon in it. When the dragon awoke from his nap, he was hungry. A bakery truck went by. The smell of fresh bread was more than the dragon could resist. The dragon ran down the street after the bakery truck. The house went along, of course, like the shell on a snail. The mailman was just coming up the path with some mail for the Bixby's when their house rushed past him and headed down the street. He chased the Bixby's house for a few blocks, but he couldn't catch it. When Mr. Bixby came home for lunch, the first thing he noticed was the house was gone. Luckily, one of the neighbors was able to tell him which way it went. Mr. Bixby got in his car and went looking for the house. He studied all the houses as he drove by. Finally, he saw one that looked familiar. Billy and Mrs. Bixby were waving from an upstairs window. Mr. Bixby climbed over the dragon's head onto the porch roof and through the upstairs window. How did this happen? Mr. Bixby asked. It was the dragon, said Billy. There's no such thing, Mother started to say. There is a dragon, Billy insisted, a very big dragon. And Billy patted the dragon on the head. The dragon wagged its tail happily. Then, even faster than it had grown, the dragon started getting smaller. Soon, it was kitten size again. I don't mind dragons this size, said Mother. Why did it have to grow so big? I'm not sure, said Billy, but I think it just wanted to be noticed. So what analogies did you draw from this story? There could be various connections to the problem, to the problems we encounter in life and how if we don't acknowledge them, they can become huge and take over our lives and our household. But if we acknowledge them, they may not be so big, but more kitten size and more manageable. The connection I'd like to make today is related to our emotions. When acknowledging our emotions, just like acknowledging the dragon and dealing with those emotions, there are three steps to consider. One, name the emotion. Two, allow for the emotion. And three, identify what is needed. First, name the emotion being experienced. Are you feeling lonely, guilty, grief or loss, anxious, unloved, 
unappreciated, scared, stuck, disappointed, or there may be other names of emotions we could use to describe what we're experiencing. This is the first step to acknowledge the emotion just to identify it and name it. Second, allow for the emotion. Once you have named it and know what emotion you are dealing with, then it is so, so helpful to allow for it to process through your body. What this looks like is asking where you feel it in your body and then describe what it looks like. For example, if I'm feeling nervous, I might feel it in my chest and my stomach, it, and I might tell you that it's moving around very quickly in an irregular pattern. It looks like a little electric ball that's bouncing wildly around my stomach and chest area. I'm just noticing what it's doing. I'm not trying to get it to go away by going and eating several cookies or going and doing unnecessary shopping for clothing that I don't need. I'm not trying to get away from it and distract from it or ignore it. I'm just trying to feel the emotion. I don't always know how long it will last, yet I'm going to allow for it. So be willing to allow for this emotion that you're experiencing until it passes through your body and is gone. I know this may sound a little odd if you have not heard this concept before. I, do, I don't know exactly why it works, but I know that it does. Third, identify what you need. While we're allowing for that emotion, we can also ask what we need. We have emotions for one, because it's part of being the human, it's part of the human experience. And two, because emotions give us information about what we might need and the action that needs to be taken. For example, if we're feeling lonely, that's an indication that we may need some connection. If we act on that emotion, we will probably reach out to a friend to connect or maybe attend an event where we can have human interaction. If we're feeling nervous about an upcoming test, feeling that emotion could motivate us to study and prepare for the test. If someone we loved just died and we are feeling grief, we may need to talk with someone and share thoughts about the loved one that died. Or maybe we just need to make sure we are taking care of our basic needs as we grieve. Our emotions are there for a reason, and they are not meant to be ignored. If we were to compare emotions to the dragon in the book, emotions that are ignored will continue to get bigger and feel more intense. We may be able to ignore them or push them aside for a period of time, but they will come back if not appropriately addressed. So I like to compare this to, I like to compare ignoring emotions to a soda pop bottle. So we know that soda pop bottles have carbonation in them. When a soda pop bottle gets shook with the car, the carbonation will start to bubble. If the soda pop bottle is shook vigorously, it might eventually build up enough pressure that it explodes or if we were to shake it super, super hard before opening it, then we take that lid off, it's gonna go everywhere. That is what happens when we do not address our emotions and try to push them away. Eventually they will explode in ways we may regret later. And that may look like screaming at our kids or a spouse, maybe driving erratically, 
maybe making a rude comment to a coworker, or there could be a host of other reactions that are less desirable. I want to share a personal experience or a personal example of a time that I did this process, this three-part process of processing emotions. I actually had some help in processing the emotion from my oldest daughter, who is a phenomenal life coach and understands this work. So last year, our family moved to Texas, which meant I needed to get my license in the state of Texas. I submitted all the necessary paperwork to get licensed and to take the test. I studied for the test for about four months and really thought that I had prepared and would pass. After taking the test, I learned that I had not passed and it was a pass-fail kind of test. I had not passed by three points, three points. I was devastated. I called my husband and let him know. And I also let my kids know as they were wanting to know the results. I spent that afternoon crying and crying and crying. When my oldest daughter called, she wanted to check on me, the one that's a life coach. I was a puddle of a mess on the bed because that's where I had been laying and crying. She started asking me what I was feeling and I named it. I was experiencing what I would call deep sadness. She then asked where I felt the sadness in my body, what it, lo- what it felt like, how it was moving in my body, what shape I would give it, what color I would describe it as. She did this for a few minutes and kept asking me questions about what this emotion was like in my body. After a few minutes, I could immediately, or after a few minutes, I could sense my body was physically calming down. I also needed to consider what I was needing at this time. I had not eaten for quite a while because I'd been taking the test for several hours. And so I worked on meeting that need. I went and got something to eat. I also did not put a lot of expectations on myself that evening. So I could allow for the emotion and to allow for that sadness. I truly took care of myself and allowed for rest. Now, the sadness did not go away that day. I think it took a few weeks of feeling the sadness off and on before I was finally able to process through it and see the situation from a different point of view. But it did pass, and I was able to look at it in a different way after that. If you have emotional dragons in your life that are taking over your life, I encourage you to try this process. I'm guessing most of us were not taught this kind of a process growing up. It may be quite the opposite. Maybe there were times that we were told, don't cry or don't be sad. Being told this does not assist us with acknowledging what we're experiencing. Instead, it's so important to acknowledge the emotion. And long term, that's the best thing that we can do for our mental health. Thank you for joining me today for the Mamas in Midlife podcast. As always, if you would like to connect with me, I can be found on Instagram at Mamas in Midlife. I'll see you next week. 